Welcome back to another episode of Tag Talks. I'm Matt Welton and I'm your host this session. Today's episode is an exciting one. This week I'm welcoming Amy Wilkinson onto the podcast. Amy has her own podcast called Oh For Food's Sake and it's an amazing podcast and covers many challenges faced when working in the food industry. This week's episode we'll be discussing a topic that all MDS graduates have come to know and love and that is resilience. Amy will be helping me talk through the topic and discuss various aspects from experiences to coaching. Maybe I might even learn a bit about doing a podcast as well during this episode. <laughs> so for now, I'd like to welcome Amy onto the show. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. No, thank you for doing this on such short notice. <laughs> it's amazing. I don't know if you want to maybe give an introduction to yourself for everyone who doesn't know. Yeah. So yeah, so I'm Amy Wilkinson. I am a leadership coach and consultant, um, also a trainer. And uh, as you said, a podcast host. Um, I always think self-employed people are never one thing, are they? They're, all, they're always saying, <laughs> I'm this and I'm this and I'm this. So we all have portfolio businesses. Um, but I work specifically with um, individuals and teams within the food industry to help them um, with things like resilience, building their confidence, influencing better. Um, so yeah, that's me. I've worked in the food industry for over 20 years. I, I've got to that point now. Once it went over 20, I just say over 20 years because otherwise it ages me way too much. Um, but I've worked predominantly in commercial marketing and development roles, but I've also had a little stint in technical, worked in process for a couple of years. Actually had six months on a on a grad scheme um, working in manufacturing as well. So I've, I've worked across the spectrum of areas within the food industry. And so now I, I bring all of that to my business now predominantly as a coach and consultant. A wealth of experience and knowledge. How, how long have you been doing a skills coaching for around now? So um, coming up, well, 18 months or so. So um, I I feel like a, a, a coronavirus um, cliche in some ways. I think I was an early adopter of the great resignation. So um, beginning of the first lockdown, I was furloughed. And it gave me the time and space. I always say it gave me time and space. It didn't really because I had a two-year-old at the time. Um, It gave me time away from the day job to really think about what I wanted and what I really, what my passions were and what I um, really enjoyed across all of those different roles that I've worked in across the food industry. And that's when I took the decision to go it alone and become a coach. So I'd already been doing quite a lot of coaching and mentoring in the last role that I was in, but um, I went and got the qualifications and got the badges and and, and made sure that, um, you know, I was doing it in a completely professional way. So I've been doing it for 18 months now and absolutely loving it. Amazing. I think we all picked up something during lockdown, didn't we, to get ourselves out the house or make sure, or in the house, but at least doing something. I think, was the podcaster like me uh a COVID thing or was a podcast before? Yeah, I guess it was in some ways, but we didn't start it. So I've got a co-host, Lucy Wager, who's also a, a long-time foodie. Um, we started that April 2021. So I guess we had we were just coming out of, I can't even remember, there were so many lockdowns, wasn't there? Um, but actually what happened was I reconnected with her. So I, I've known her um, for 18 years or something. So when she was a, a graduate, at, um, we were at Geest then, as it was uh, now back of all. We got in touch with each other January 2021 
she was the first person on my networking list of like, I need to go and talk to people. And within weeks, we had decided to launch a podcast together. So we, we, we're we quite spontaneous people, um, but we just got on with it. We were like, we've got so much to say about the working in the food industry. I love it. And like, we're both really talkative. We were like, we should be recording this conversation. Shall we start a podcast? Yeah, okay. I'm pretty sure that's what goes through everybody's head who starts a podcast. It's yeah. like, we're great at talking. We're great at this. <laughs> and, and luckily, people have wanted to listen which is good because it could have been a complete flop but it, it, it's it's going well so that's good well what i'll do is i'll share the link to that uh, in the description or whenever we share this podcast so we can people can give you a listen to that i think should we crack on with this episode then yep let's do it okay perfect so i thought a great way to start with resilience would be to define resilience because <laughs> maybe some people don't know what you define it as so i've sort of gone with my sort of i'm gonna call it like a low level <laughs> definition on this well I did off the top of my head but I'm sure you're going to come in with a lot better (laughs) quality one I don't know about that (laughs) so I've defined resilience as to be able to successfully adapt to change in a positive manner which helps you succeed I love it no I can't build on that no I I think that's great because I think when you look at like the dictionary definition it's all about the capacity to recover from setbacks so it's almost like that bounce I used to used to love this we used to always get the word bounce back a bit into meetings and that ability to bounce back but actually I don't I think that's a little bit like the, the wrong way around I think it is all about having the tools and almost the preventative side of it so having that knowing inside that no matter what life throws at you and work throws at you you will have the ability to get through it you know it's that it's that inner knowing and that's resilience to me would you argue it's almost like curative versus preventative like the definition almost assumes that you have to have a fall before you actually get better you know rather than like it doesn't necessarily have to be that way no, it doesn't. I do think um, when you talk to a lot of people that, or you see a lot of people that you think they're quite resilient people, they have often been through some hardship. You know, that does that does sort of, um, you know, help you become a more resilient person. But I think I used to think that you were either resilient or you weren't, and it wasn't something you could learn. And that's absolutely not the case. You can you can put those preventative measures in place for sure. I think that's so important, the learning aspect of it, because I think a lot of people might just think I'm not a resilient person, but actually it's something that you can train and you can learn more about. Because I guess everyone displays resilience in a different way, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, that uh, ability to adapt to change thing is you know, it is a learned thing because as humans and, you know, there's lots of neuroscience around this, you know, we don't like change. You know, your brain wants you to do the same thing every, every day, really, because it know you know, it knows those patterns are going to keep you safe. So we're always trying to keep ourselves safe. And so it can, um, it can feel quite icky. You know, some people thrive on it. You know, there are, there are, there are elements where it is a personality trait. And I know that I've always been someone that's thrived on change. I get bored quite easily, that sort of thing. And like you say, therefore, it is different for different people. You know, if you are somebody that you know you're completely resistant to change, then you're going to need little different aspects in your resilience toolkit, as I call it. A hundred percent. Is that so... I mean, I think the next session we wanted to go is experiences, but I was wondering if like, before we lead into that, do you have yourself sort of a definition that you would say is resilience then? Yeah, I think it is. It's, um, 
it's having the tools to be able to face into anything. And when I say tools, I mean, you know, that might be your, you know, inner strength. It might be um, knowing who you can call on, but having the tools at your fingertips that will be able, that will help you. So I'm not doing this very articulately, (laughs) will help you be able to face anything that you come up against. I think that would be my succinct Amy Wilkinson version of resilience. But I think one one thing I do want to say, because this is why I get so passionate about it, I know that it's a term that can be really bandied about, um, particularly at the moment and kind of in a negative way. So like you need to be more resilient can be, you know, it can, it can make people think that they need to just push through and, you know, work harder and avoid, you know, never show that they're stressed, never, never ask for help. And it can lead to people like uh, avoiding the difficult conversations because they just want to show that they can do anything and, and push through. And if you're a perfectionist, recovering perfectionist here, you know, if you hear that and just, you know, you've just got to push through, then that can have real devastating consequences. So resilience is not just about pushing through. 100%. Well, I think that's a really good link into our next section then I think we're going to go into. And I think it was, we're just going to do a brief section, I think, on experiences with resilience. So I thought I'd like to talk about mine from like a graduate perspective. With MDS, we move around a lot from placement to placement. And I thought I'd just talk about something that I struggled with at least. And so I, my last placement, I was working in Switzerland, uh, for a grad for uh, Syngenta, really good company, really enjoyed working for them. And suddenly I get a call from Greta going, You're gonna have to move. <laughs> we'll send you to a new place. And I was so comfortable there. I loved the job, I loved the place, I loved everything about it. And I got thrown into this new world. <laughs> uh, I went into the world of retail. I moved to back into England. I moved up to up north. I had a new job. I didn't really have many friends in the area and I really struggle with it, you know, and I called Greta up maybe like four days in (laughs) and I said, Greta, I'm really not enjoying this. (laughs) This isn't for me. Can't do it. And she goes, Matt, (laughs) if you'd come to me within three months (laughs) and said that you weren't enjoying it, we might have to have a look into it and say like, yeah, maybe this isn't for you. But at the moment, you're just not really, you, you just, the change is you just can't, you just haven't adapted to it yet, you know. And it, I have to say, it's a lot more inspirational than that. I'm maybe not giving her justice here. <laughs> but she gave me a very big sort of a strengthening speech about this. And I have to say, over time, I've sort of got used to it. And now I've got loads of friends in the area. I'm even thinking of staying here a bit more long term because I like it so much. And I got a lot more comfortable with the job. Might not be perfect at it, but, you know, I'm enjoying it and I'm doing the best of my ability and I love it. So if anything, I developed resilience. It did take a bit of a push out the door. But I did, you know, sort of thing. And that's my sort of experience within it. I think that's quite interesting because exactly what you're saying, you know, it's been chucked into change and thinking, oh, my God, I can't do this. And one thing that I'll talk about in a bit is um, I can't do this yet is a great way of reframing that, like knowing that it's it's okay to not feel amazing about a new job or a new experience straight away. And then when you were talking about, you know, you didn't have any friends there, that's a really important part of resilience is 
building a support network and, and that was taken away from you. So it can feel like, oh my goodness, I cannot do this. So yeah, it's a really good example. I think it sort of links to your sort of tool because you mentioned that obviously like you have these tools that help you develop resilience. And I think like after a while I realized I had connections in Liverpool versus, via friends. I made friends with my housemates, which was a nice supportive network. I had Greta as a supportive network. Don't let her tell her I told her that, but I had Greta <laughs> there, you know what I mean? And then like my job, I started getting comfortable by making friends with the coach. See, actually, I think the theme here is that I make friends and that's what makes me comfortable, yeah. but that's my tool yeah. to like go with it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I, I think it'd be really interesting. I don't know. So you've probably got a different sort of resilience story. Have you got an experience you'd like to share? Yeah. And um, yeah, it's 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 a biggie really. And sometimes when I talk about it, my, my voice wavers. So that's how big a, a test of my resilience uh, um, it was. So mine is, um, it was 10 years ago. And I so I was t- uh, 10 plus years into my career in the food industry. And I was working as a senior commercial manager in a produce, um, a prepared produce place. Um, and I was working really, really hard. I was doing really well. Like from the outside, you'd have been like, she has got it all. You know, I'd, I'd been promoted and promoted. Um, I was winning, you know, multi-million pound contracts with Sainsbury's. It was, it was all going swimmingly. Um, but I was also working really long hours, working really hard, traveling. So there were sites across the country and I was traveling constantly. And I also had a lot of um, pressure outside of work. So I was getting married. I was um, pushing myself to the limits to sort of handle the stress that I was going through because, you know, I was doing really well, but, you know, it, it, we all know like we're not pretending here, aren't we, that the food industry isn't stressful at times, a lot of the time. Um, and I was going through all of that stress, going to the gym five, six times a week and like properly going for it, like exercising to the point of making myself sick kind of thing, like pushing myself because it was a way, it was a way of me dealing with that stress. And after a while, um, I started to get some signs that things weren't quite right. So I was feeling wired 24 hours a day, you know, like when you literally cannot put your phone down. And this was 10 years ago, smartphones only just came out. So I was there with my stylus because <laughs> that's how old fashioned they were, refreshing to see if emails were coming through. Um, I was quite snappy. I wasn't a very nice person to live with. Um, and I was using lots of unhelpful coping mechanisms. So I was drinking, sinking a bottle of wine here and there and, you know, all that excessive exercise that I was talking about. And then one day, um, this is cutting a long story short, but one day I woke up and I physically couldn't get out of bed. And when I tell people that, they're like, oh, what? So you just didn't have the motivation to get out of bed. And I'm like, no, I physically couldn't move my limbs. So I'd I'd ignored the signs of stress for so long um, and I'd been getting headaches and all sorts of stuff that my body got to the point where it screamed so loud that it was like, you're not listening to me anymore, so I'm just not going to let you move. Um, So that was quite terrifying and it took me a couple of weeks to even really be able to get out of bed, I could crawl to the toilet, that sort of thing. Um, And then over the space of the next 18 months, I kind of pretended I was okay, but I could only really work and then go to bed. So, and eventually I decided to um, take three months off work and like reset myself basically, and then spent years recovering. So um, that was kind of my low, low 
um, which has helped me build my resilience back up and learn. So I, I'm one of those people like, I need to know everything about why this has happened to me and and what I can do to prevent it again. So then I've effectively spent the next 10 years studying resilience and working out ways to make sure that never happens to me again. So it's quite it's quite a biggie, but I actually can see now, you know, what a positive it has been because I now help people with this stuff. You know, I help prevent that for other people. So yeah, it took me quite a few years to recover from that, but now I can see it as a real positive. Um, that's that's a resilient mindset, thinking of, of um, you know, overcoming those obstacles because what it's allowed me to do is learn so much about resilience, study about resilience, and now help other people to um, avoid effectively burning out or, um, you know, being more adaptive to change. So it's it's the positive that came out of of that fairly horrendous experience really I, I think it's so amazing how like it didn't just take so sort of like a, the stress reached at a physical level on your body as well because you don't hear about that that often but actually there is that physical side to stress that people don't realize yeah if you don't listen to the stress your body will tell you <laughs> you have to listen to your body and I think it's such an important thing that we have to listen to ourselves a lot of the time with this as well yeah yeah do you know what and if somebody had said to me 10 years ago listen to your body I wouldn't have even got what that meant um but I get it now and I can talk a little bit more about that I think I, 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 that's such a, I thank you for sharing that with us to be fair it's such an amazing story and I think it's um, a lot of people probably wouldn't want to share that sort of stuff but I think it's such a nice builder and people can learn from that sort of other people you learn from other people's experience ultimately yeah and I sort of see it as and you know some don't get me wrong sometimes I, f- I feel like oh just hell under a duvet and don't tell anybody about it but actually whenever I share my story I always get people messaging me saying thank you it's helped me I've changed something in my life because of it and then I'm like oh actually that's the reason I share this and it's it's that whole everything happened for a reason thing and if I can help other people avoid it then happy days I'm sure a lot of people listening will really be thankful to hear that story as well I think it'd be really great to actually so you obviously went through a very tough period, I think. How so maybe we could talk about sort of what sort of things you could do to actually either prevent this or just help you with these situations. So I think you brought a bit of like your coaching into this actually. Because you've obviously changed your career to actually help people develop this as well. So it'd be great to get some of your tips for this. Yeah, sure. So um I I run workshops and stuff on this and I have what I call my resilience toolkit. So it's got four areas within it, which I'll just sort of touch on. But obviously these workshops are full day workshops, so we're not going to sit here and go through everything about them. But just to give you a bit of a flavour, emotional intelligence is the first one. So that's really about being more aware of your own emotions. So, you know, stress being part, you know, being an emotion or um, the the feelings that you're getting, being much more aware of them, being much more aware of what pushes your buttons and, you know, really annoys you. Also with that being really, that can be really helpful to be em- empathetic with other people and that sort of thing. But I think we are, 
as a society, we can be very like, I don't want any negative emotions. I don't want to, you know, we're all just happy and we'll put, put on a brave face. And that is not what resilience is about. Like I said, it's not that pushing through. It's recognizing when you are having a negative emotion. So if you are feeling angry, why has that button been pushed? What is it that is pushing that button? And um, there's some really great resources on this. So um, have you ever heard of the book Chimp Paradox? I have not. So it's a book um, by a guy called Steve Peters. And it it's really helpful because it explains um, the different parts of your brain and effectively the the reptilian part of your brain or the the um you know, like the really primitive part of your brain, he describes as the chimp and the chimp um, is the one that reacts in the moment. And that's like that emotional reaction. So getting more aware of what your chimp, why your chimp is reacting in that way and finding ways to box your chimp or let your, let your chimp vent and then move on. So it's like helping you to manage your emotions but to do that, you've got to recognize them. And and this is what we, when we were just talking about, you know, like listen to your body. We feel emotions in our body. You know, if you think about if you get angry, where do you feel that in your body? Like in your chest or you might literally get red in the face, you know, like the angry emoji. So actually being able to recognize those things in, in your body and go, oh, that's an emotion. Why, why is why is that factory manager shouting at me, making me feel this way and actually then being able to do something about it? I think it's such an amazing like um, analogy, actually. Within that. I mean, one thing I sort of got from that is um, I kind of want to use the word acceptance here. I think a lot of people, I think especially myself, you try to combat the negative thoughts. You try to combat it by saying, don't worry, everything's fine. You know, like, so, I mean, to make it sort of jokey is that I've been watching How I Met Your Mother recently. I don't know if you've seen it, but there's an episode where but like, there's an episode where Barney gets sick and he says something like, when I'm sick, I just stop being sick and be legendary himself because he's trying to convince himself that he's not ill, you know. And I think, I know it's a joke, but I think a lot of people do that to themselves. I think they say, I'm not stressed or I'm not that. Or they'll just try and use easy mechanisms like, I'll just make a cup of tea, don't worry, it'll go away, you know. And I think a lot of people don't accept that with the situation they're in sometimes and go like, look, I'll accept this. This is happening. I need to do something about it. You know, I think, I don't know if that relates sort of to what you're sort of saying. Yeah, totally. And I think there's there's a lot to be said for the positive reframe that you were talking about, which actually I'll come on to in a minute. But um, there is, you know, I think it is that whole kind of British keep calm and carry on thing isn't necessarily helpful because all you're doing, and you know, when I look back on when I burnt out, I had all sorts of things that I was just pushing down and pretending were okay. And actually you can't do that. You, you know, they're just going to get stored, it, 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 you know, inside you, <laughs> you know, you've, you've got to find a way out. And that's like that box, boxing the chimp or venting the chimp, but also finding ways to um, almost regulate your own emotions. So we've all got different parts of us. So, you know, we've got parts of us that want to drive forward and we've got parts of us, you know, that want to achieve and all of those things. Um, but sometimes, you know, you've got to counteract that with like soothing activities of, you know, that are going to help. You can't be on that, you know, if you're on that emotional roller coaster, you need something to kind of level it out a little bit. So knowing what your things are that are going to help you do that. So if you have, you know, if you ignored that you felt angry today um, and just pretend everything's fine, it will build up. If you accept it, work through it, 
and it's a lot easier to move on from it and then not let that build up. Emotional intelligence, massively important really within this. I think you mentioned those four steps. What would the second step be? Well, so this self-regulation thing. So, um, so for for me or, or for this it is so so you've got those emotions that stress you've got all of that stuff going on what helps you and this is where it's a toolkit that has to be tailored to each individual because what helps soothe me is different to what would help soothe you kind of thing and um again I'll give you another little book recommendation there's a, a book called Burnout Burnout, Unlocking the Stress Cycle, which is by Amelia and Emily Nagoski. I think that's how you say the surname. Some great titles here as well, by the way. I love this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But they talk about completing the stress cycle. So if you, like I'm saying, you know, we get stressed because stuff happens to us or, or because something's changing. That's the stressor. What happens in your in your body then is it becomes stress and then you need to do something to complete that stress cycle so for some people that is physical exercise it's going for a walk it's spending time in nature um for me one of those things is mindfulness and you know i I didn't know what that was 10 years ago and now i you know do all sorts of stuff like that but you know finding the thing that helps you to um, not just hold on to that stress in your body, really. It's funny because you say that. And when you mentioned mindfulness, I actually, because I basically last year, I had, uh, I probably won't get into the details too much, but I had a very tough year last year. I think to be honest, I, I, briefly, but it was like uh, family issues, uh, relationship issues, all this sort of stuff. And I really struggled to get to sleep a lot. Like I couldn't sleep, you know, I mean, everything was on my mind. My mind was racing all the time. And I actually downloaded an app called Headspace, which you probably heard, <laughs> maybe heard it. But like just before I went to bed every night, I just play this and it would just sort of like the breathing exercises just really just help me just note what a feeling and what a thought was and just and it would just and it floats away you know it's like i mean you know as a kid when they do counting sheep so you count the sheep to get to bed it genuinely it sounds it literally is just mindfulness it's a uh, teaching a kid how to be like let's take all the thoughts of the day and just put them away but it's a really simplified version of it because that's one of the tips they do in mindfulness but that's what I use at least yeah and I think that it it all ties into what we were just saying about you know you aren't pretending that you're not getting that thought in mindfulness you acknowledge it and then you choose what to do with it. You can choose whether you want to follow that thought or you can let it go. You don't have to do that with meditation. It doesn't have to be meditation. It can be, you know, there's lots and lots of things, but we could do a whole episode on mindfulness. I'm not going to go into loads and loads of detail, but what I would say is that it's scientifically based. And I think it used to be, you know, people used to think it was a bit woo-woo, but there's a lot of scientific evidence that if you have some sort of mindfulness practice every day, it helps you be more resilient and not react um you know in those moments of high emotion or high anger it gives you that space to take a step back and take a deep breath um that you wouldn't normally have if you haven't been practicing mindfulness so if you've been thinking about if you're listening and you've been thinking about having a go at it give it a go get headspace get you know there's loads of different apps out there i would highly recommend that as well so that's self-regulation so what, what are we on to next, Amy? So next we're on to support networks. So this is exactly what you were talking about. You know, when you moved from Switzerland back to the UK, you felt like you'd lost your support network. So um, I get people to be really, really clear on who is, I've got like a little diagram that I get people to work on, which is who's in your circle of trust effectively. So who are the people that you can rely on 
you know, what, no matter what. And that's inside and outside of work. So, you know, there'll be family members that, you know, are never going to judge you. There might be family members that do judge you, but, um, you know, who are the people that you would, could call on in the middle of the night? And then the next layer out is kind of like your outer circle. Who are the people that you can call on um, if you need specific help with something? And it's important to have a mixture of those. You can't just have a tight circle. It's okay to have like loose ties of people that might help you. And if I think of, you know, 18 months ago, setting up my business, you know, Lucy, who has now become um, my podcast co-host and we're back into like that tight circle. She was in that outer circle and she was just somebody I was calling upon. And 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 now we've forged a, we, we were always good friends, but we'd kind of drifted and that's okay, you know you know, having that support network and there's loads of stuff you can do around networking and making that happen. But it's almost recognizing that support network. And the one thing that I always say as well is recognizing the people that are actually real drains. Like I call them energy hoovers, (laughs) you know, the people that suck the life out of you, (laughs) like just spend less time with them. Um, if you, you can choose to do that. Like I think if you're a people pleaser, it can be quite hard to think that you can do that, but you can choose to do that. Sometimes it's difficult if it's somebody that you work with, but if you know and if you've identified them as one of those energy hoovers, it's like actually I'll try and minimise the amount of meetings I have with them or whatever. If that that's It's almost like your support network and your anti-support network is really important. I think that's so important. I think, uh, I mean, that's the, that's probably my main coping mechanism, at least with resili- uh, for resilience. It's uh, the support network. And I think it's been, it could be friends, family, colleagues. And I, I, I like to have a few close friends who I, I talk to about everything, you know, who they support me through that. And I think that's why, you know, we will all be more resilient than we were two years ago because of the pandemic, because we've, you know, been through that hardship. But one of the things that was really hard about it was that support that was taken away or was taken physically away. You know, thank goodness we've, we've had video calls and been able to stay in contact with people. But that, I think that's why it felt so catastrophic when we were all you know forced to stay in our homes because your support network's not there and I know like I had to deal with a two-year-old without my sister helping me you know it was hard I mean to be honest humans are ultimately social animals as well we 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 sometimes forget it I think a lot of us like to think we're independent but actually we're very reliant on each other and I think that's a really good way to lead into should we go into the final yes so my final one and and it's really hard isn't it when you're coming up with titles I sort of try and I mean I used to work in marketing so I always got pillars for everything um but I've called this one solution seeking and I guess that is what you were talking about um to an extent around that positive mindset thing so there is a place for recognize you know as long as you acknowledge that you are having negative thought patterns or whatever um I'm not saying ignore that and push that away but what you can do once you've noticed that is choose choose the direction you're going to go in. So um, a lot of this is around, you've heard about growth mindset versus fixed mindset. Yeah. So growth mindset being, um, you know, rather than saying, I can't do this, I can't do this yet. I mean, yet is the best word that you can use when you're like up against anything. And it's like, there's other, there's loads and loads of things that you can do in terms of reframing. And I, I go through an exercise where I get people to kind of reframe negative thoughts into, you know, flip them into positives. Um, but yeah, that and one that I even use, I often use the hashtag, it's only food in a pot. 
it's only food in a pot, you know, like, because actually perspective can be a really big part of this. So it's having, it's rather than having a defeatist mindset of, um, well, I just can't possibly do that, or we can't do that, or we've done it before and it, it will never work. You know, how can we make this happen? So, and I think part of that as well is if you are somebody and particularly like starting out in your career, I would say, you know, set yourself stretching goals because actually as you start to achieve those goals, it helps with that um, kind of solution mindset and that positivity of, I set myself this goal and I never thought I'd achieve it and I have. And it gives you that kind of inner strength to go, well, if, well, if I did that, I can do whatever anybody throws at me. So it, it is all about kind of a positive mindset, really. It's, it's really looking at sort of a way forward, isn't it, really, at the end of the day? I mean, I think like my ending comment is I remember saying, hearing from a girl on my grad scheme called Libby, and she said whenever she was like stressed, she'd always just go online, find the nearest half marathon marathon and book it in. Because once you've got it booked in, you know you're going to be working towards this and it gives you a sort of a new mindset. So you're like, oh, I've got to, I've got to run. Yeah, having something to aim towards can really, really help. It doesn't necessarily have to be a work goal, does it? It can be a personal goal, really. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a massive thing, I would say. So, um, and I encourage it. I probably do this more with my one-to-one clients, but I will encourage um, people that are in this kind of fixed mindset to go and try, because often a lot of the clients I work with are uh, perfectionists. And if you're a perfectionist, it can be really hard to go and try new things because if you're not going to win or do it perfectly just don't do it at all so I'll get people to go and try new hobbies so I did something at Christmas with and and I'd posted about it on social media and one of my friends was like right I'm going to test you are you going to do it too and we went to like this card making crafting thing and it was totally out of my comfort zone but at the end of it you feel really accomplished and I had these amazing like hand printed cards I was like I didn't you know you tell yourself you're not creative but I managed to do that I was creative so absolutely it can be things outside you know those goals or a hobby or something can be outside of work can really help with your overall resilience and and that mindset of I can do anything. I think that's such a, I think the mindset's definitely really important with all this. So I think, I think we're coming to an end now. I think maybe before we end, do you think maybe you could just quickly summarize, I mean, maybe just say what the four steps are and then maybe we'd all take home message each. So yeah, so my, the, the four steps in the toolkit are emotional intelligence. So really getting to know what your, what emotions you're experiencing and what messages they're sending you and then deciding what to do about it. Um, And then self-regulation is the second one. So doing things to help regulate the stress. So completing that stress cycle, find your thing. Um, The third one is support network, which is kind of self-explanatory, but have good people around you and get rid of the energy hoovers. Um, And then the fourth one is the solution seeking. So having that positive mindset of we don't know how to do this yet, but we'll find a way. My ending statement from this and I think it's my take home message from this session is I think it was using the tools that you have available to develop resilience. So play on your own strengths to get yourself out of the situation. If you do get into the situation and that could be support network, mindfulness, mindset. And I think that's my sort of take home message from it. Yeah. And I think mine would be prevention is better than cure. So, so don't only use these tools when you need them start using them now and you know you can make yourself more resilient 
by building up this toolkit really early on in your life and career because it, it is the thing that will will lead to success you know to be able to um you know have a a, a preventative mindset rather than a oh well I'll do some mindfulness once I'm stressed do it now <laughs> I think that's a great way to end the episode with that one I think uh so I'm just going to say to everybody like listening uh Amy has shared some resources with me for this, which I will try and get shared around. So if anybody wants to just read this because they haven't maybe like remembered a few of those points, you know, so if you want to find out a bit more about it, I will share this. This is all of Amy's stuff that she's amazingly shared with me. But I think on that point, I'd like to just say thank you for joining me, Amy. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. No, I really enjoyed this and we'll have to get another one soon. Yeah. Yeah, well, I could, I could, there's loads of things I can talk about for days. So I'll happily come back to speak to you about. Maybe it's a bad combo. Maybe <laughs> We, turn it into, we might have to develop our own podcast series together. Yeah. <laughs> All right, everyone. Thank you. Have a good rest of your day. Yeah. And you. Thank you.